0: Welcome to our debut episode of Marianne and Wanda. I'm Andy. And I'm Allie. Yay we are glad you're joining us. So just to give some quick background on Allie and I. Allie and I grew up in Middle Tennessee. We both became friends through Sumner Academy in little old Gallatin, Tennessee in 2003. I think we bonded over Probably horses. We were both horse cra- horse crazy girls in the beginning. Still still are yeah. some, just not as not as much in the barn as we used to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I You're remember I remember when I met you, you first came in and you had the longest hair that I'd ever seen. And I was like, Okay, yeah, she's gotta be friends with me. She's got pretty <laughs> hair. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I that was the sign. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, my mom didn't let me cut my hair until the summer after third grade, so that was like the longest it's ever been.
0: Hmm. But yeah, we have many fond (laughs) memories of summers, horseback riding and going to horse shows and all kinds of horsey related things as well as other stuff. But yeah, that's how Allie and I became friends in the third grade.
1: Mm -hmm. We've been (laughs) friends ever since.
0: Yep, now we live in different states and don't get to see each other as much, but Lucky for us, this podcast is our new way of hanging out every week. So,
1: yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we just want to go ahead and get started, I guess. So, hopefully, you guys saw our post earlier where we announced our first book, and maybe you've read it, or maybe you read a synopsis of it, or whatever. But we, of course, read Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech chose this because it was one of my favorite books i remember it being one of my favorite books whenever i met andy and i remember taking was it like the accelerated reading test or whatever Yeah, i remember taking that test multiple times for this book because i loved it so much that i just kept reading it
0: you could Um, you could take those tests more than once
1: over different years they were oh. you to once per year but that was like how i always got first on on like the list oh, was yeah. because i read harry potter i read it every year but i really just took the test every every year and got all those points locked in
0: okay miss platts if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> don't be mad anyway so just some background.
1: Uh, I don't know. I guess the Washington's won the Newbery Medal in 1995, which is only notable to me because the Newbery Medal is an American library award that's named after a British bookseller, which is just very funny to me. <laughs> so some background on her is that she has a big family. She had like, I think two sisters and three brothers or something. And they used to take these big family summer road trips every year. And when she was 12, They took a five-day trip out to Idaho, and that's the road trip that the main character in the book takes. She based some bits of her books off of her life, which is really cool. The town in the book, Bybanks, Kentucky.
0: I actually Googled that today because I wondered if Bybanks was a real place, Mm -hmm. and I found out it's not, but she based the town on Quincy, Kentucky, where she grew up.
1: Yeah, so anyway... Walk Two Moons is a novel that's narrated by a 13-year-old girl named Salamenka or Sal, who's on a cross-country road trip from Euclid, Ohio, to Lewiston, Idaho, to see her mother. And she's traveling with her grandparents. And she's telling the story of her friend Phoebe Winterbottom and her mother, and sort of all these other stories interspersed on this road trip as they journey to visit her mother, hopefully before her birthday. And so we get the whole story of sal as well as her mother and her friends as they
0: travel along i thought it was kind of cute that she was keeping her grandparents occupied and keeping them company by telling them stories about her life while they're on this road trip like they have so much time to kill that she was telling them about her friends and and stuff like that i thought it was cute
1: yeah i liked it a lot and i loved how invested the grandparents were in the story of pb
0: yeah (laughs) At first, it annoyed me that they wouldn't say Phoebe, but then by the end of it, I was like, oh, little Phoebe. Little Phoebe. Little (laughs) Phoebe.
1: I think, like, all the nicknames that the grandparents have are things that I love. Like, Gooseberry and Chickabitty loved both of those.
0: Yeah, at first, I was like, what is a Chickabitty? And then, as the more they kept saying it, I was like, oh, Chickabitty, Chickabitty. (laughs) You should should start
1: using that as nicknames.
0: Especially, yeah, Gooseberry, like at first I thought of that as them calling each other like oh you dummy or you idiot like oh you gooseberry but then I learned more that it was like, a term of endearment like oh my gooseberry so at first I thought it was kind of like an insult but then it no turned it not to be it was cute
1: <laughs> it's so cute their whole love story is so cute um <laughs> I like every that every night when they patted the bed they said the grandpa said gramps said well this ain't our marriage bed but it'll do Love that every time. I highlighted it every time. I just really like their love story because theirs is one of the whole love stories. They got to live their whole life out together. But then like the other love stories that we see in the book, or I guess the other parental stories, they don't get to have like the same sort of long term ending that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Gramps and Graham had.
0: Yeah. And we guess, I guess we got to see in the beginning too, how when they initially got together, Graham pointed out about the beagle. And mm-hmm. I know that you noted that too. And it, it stuck out to me that she pretty much said, Oh, I can see how much you love this beagle. So I know you'll love me even more. And then vice versa too. I think you noted that uh, she said, If, if I, I figure
1: if that old beagle Sadie loves you so much, I'll probably love you better.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cute too.
1: Yeah, you gotta trust the animals in your lives. So they know what they're they know what they're doing.
0: You can tell a lot about a person by how a dog reacts to them.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Which is why I like it that Jose is now much more mellow. Jose is my dog, for those of you who don't know. He's much more mellow now than he used to be, and he stopped biting most people on site. He's also
0: like a hundred years old, so
1: <laughs> he's <only> 16.
0: <laughs> he's the oldest dog, sixteen year old Chihuahua.
1: Anyway, that I inherited from my grandmother speaking of grandparents
0: yeah <laughs> so one thing that I noticed on their road trip too is Graham and Gramps seem like they're just kind of taking their good old time getting over to Ohio which or not Ohio over to Idaho which is their final destination but the whole time Sal is like being told by The trees and the wind and and all that, like, hurry, hurry. And then at one point, everything is telling her, slow down, slow down. So I thought that the difference in that was interesting, that Graham and Gramps have no no hidden agenda, nothing that's like, okay, we got to get here by a certain day. And secretly, Sal is like, hurry up, we got to get there already.
1: Do you think that her grandparents recognized that it was her mom's birthday and that's why she was trying to get there in time? Did she tell them that?
0: I don't know. And I'm not sure... Graham and Gramps were her mom's parents or her dad's parents.
1: I think her dad's parents.
0: That's what I was thinking too. So they may not have known that it was her mom's birthday.
1: Okay, that's true. That's true.
0: So yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure they may not have known that.
1: Okay. You also asked in this little note. Um, you said, "Does Sal know that her mom is dead before they uh, leave for Euclid?" And I think the answer to that is yes, right? I think
0: so because it it seems like when they're on the whole journey she is like I want to bring my mother home I want to like convince her to come back with us but then right at the end when it's talking about Mrs. Cadaver having been on the bus with her in her last moments it seems like maybe right before they actually left to go on this journey she did come to terms with Mrs. Cadaver being a good person and sat down and talked to her and figured out why Mrs. Cadaver meant so much to her father and at that point understood right before she went on this trip with Graham and Gramps that her mom is not coming back. But like you said, she needed some kind of closure for understanding why her mother didn't come back and that's why they were going on the trip. So I think I think what we had talked about was yes, she did know, but it confused me in the moment with everything saying, Hurry, hurry, like if you yeah. you can try to convince her to come back. So I was a little fuzzy on that throughout it. But I think once you got to the end, you realize that the whole time they're on the trip, she actually did know that her mother had passed.
1: Yeah, I think she's being intentionally ambiguous about it. Like I forgot that her mom died until a lot later in the book. And so that was I went on that same journey that everybody else did to find that out. And I was a little mad because I think that sometimes we can try to protect children too much by like not telling them everything particularly around like a loved one's death and so I had come into this with the assumption that that's what her dad had done but I I was like really glad in the end that that's not the story that like he had been told it and she just needed to see it with her own eyes to verify it for herself
0: yeah I think I would have ended a lot more upset if when they got to Idaho and then realized once they were there that she's been dead this whole time and almost make sal feel like it was a waste coming out there or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i'm glad but but then again i understand too why her dad didn't tell her what happened right then when he went out there initially because she had passed away and they and she and sal were so close
1: yeah and he was also i mean it was his wife too so it was right not just her mom it was his wife too Um, Mm yeah
0: but yeah, you want to go on to Phoebe next and the Winterbottoms?
1: I love Phoebe and the Winterbottoms.
0: <laughs> I just have to say that if my name was Phoebe or Prudence or Winterbottom or Bickle, I would have to have my name completely <laughs> changed to something else. Anything else.
1: Anything but those.
0: Winterbottom.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I love them. I think that they're all very fun. Um, Yeah, I don't I loved the character of Phoebe, too, because Phoebe felt like she was trying to be so much like her mom and so grown up throughout the entire book. And then you realize that she's just made all these childish assumptions about the lunatic and like Miss Cadaver digging up her bush next door. And she just made all these big assumptions that like to an actual adult, it would be clear that Miss Cadaver is like a very nice person. But to her she was trying to act all grown up and she just wasn't
0: yeah i thought her obsession with mrs cadaver was hilarious that she painted her to be this like you know crazy witch who lives next door and like buries bones in her backyard and has like i was imagining like snakes for hair and stuff just the way that like her imagination was talking about her and also this whole time i was imagining andy mcdowell the actress as um as Mrs. Cadaver but like imagine Andy McDowell with like fiery red hair and like she's got you know the, yeah. wrinkle, the wrinkles around her eyes and like bony facial structure that's kind of what I was imagining Mrs. Cadaver to look like
1: you showed me this picture and I immediately agreed
0: Yeah, um, I guess in I'm my sure. head
1: I had like a super artsy woman in mind um, so it's like more like her with just paint splattered overalls on but yes yeah. I completely agree
0: I could see that too but, yeah, I do think Phoebe is um, definitely still very childlike with how she just, like, jumps to conclusions about every little thing. Everything. And just being ridiculous, too. Like, we had in our um, our notes about this, she went to the Finney's house with Sal <laughs> for dinner. And when I was, I actually listened to the audiobook version of it, but they kept saying that Mrs. Finney gave Phoebe muesli. For dinner because Phoebe was so oh I can't have that and I can't have this and I can't have that because <laughs> of the cholesterol which like what 13 year old girl is concerned about cholesterol yeah. but I was like what is muesli and I was trying to think of what it could be and in my head I was picturing like a green porridge that just looked disgusting but no. then I had to google it and it's like fancy oatmeal with like nuts and berries and all yeah. kind of stuff and I was like oh actually that looks delicious
1: yeah, but she
0: had to eat it dry because, I, I think it's also kind of like oatmeal where they like soak it overnight and it's kind of mushy. Uh, mm-hmm. Because she said they didn't have any milk to to have with it or any cream or something like that, and so she just had to eat it dry. So I'm imagining like dry oatmeal is just gross sounding, but yeah, yeah it's <laughs> not. Rather have that than the fried food
1: that the <laughs> Finney's mom made. That's so ridiculous.
0: Yeah, so dumb she's just so demanding yeah anytime she would talk about stuff like that I would just like roll my eyes and then laugh at how ridiculous she was well like she keeps
1: telling Phoebe whenever she's over for the sleepover that they um that she needs to make sacrifices for her guest and I was like oh yeah
0: I think if you had come over to my house when we were younger and told me like I get to have your bed and you need to sleep on the floor. I would told <laughs> you, like, you need to call your mom and tell her to come get you. <laughs> I know, that would have been ridiculous. How about we both sleep on the floor? <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you remember that one time, though, when you were staying at my house and we were sleeping in my room on my double bed or whatever? And I got up at some point and then when I came back, you had sprawled out over the entire bed. And I thought that you had done that in your sleep. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to wake Andy up for this. So I got into my big red round chair to sleep in instead. And then you the next day said that you thought it was really funny and you were trying to test me to see what I would do. And then you just (laughs) didn't stop me when I laid down in the chair. And I was like, I was just trying to make you comfortable.
0: So, I guess I'm the Phoebe in this situation. (laughs) Yeah, you're
1: the Phoebe. I hate to say it, Andy.
0: Well, you know what? I hate to tell you, too, but you didn't eat the pinto beans that my family made for (laughs) dinner. You had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, so that will always live in my parents' uh, memory of you forever as the person who doesn't like pinto beans. (laughs) Okay, first
1: of all, pinto beans are gross, and second of all, I did taste them, though.
0: <laughs> I did true. try them. That's true, and you weren't complaining about cholesterol, so I guess <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Please.
0: Oh, man, yeah. Phoebe Phoebe's not the kind of person that I would have hung out with.
1: No. But I think I might have been Phoebe in a lot of ways, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll hold out judgment on that one.
0: So, continuing with Phoebe, getting these notes left on her doorstep, Mm-hmm. i thought that you know that just like amping her up that oh my gosh there's a lunatic and they're leaving these notes at the house and like what if they're a murderer and what if they kidnapped my mother and all this and then <laughs> to find out that it's actually little old lady mrs partridge next door who's like get notes in the newspaper like yes. got their fortune cookies and like being mrs cadaver write them on paper so she can go deliver it to the winter bottoms because she thinks it's a nice uh, thing that made me laugh because <laughs> it made me laugh because mrs partridge was so innocent and like you know brighten somebody's day and instead it just made phoebe like you know over in panic <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know yeah I loved those two and I liked
1: that it repeated one and that she hadn't noticed but Phoebe like spent time stressing over why the note had been repeated.
0: Right and I probably like... Mrs. Winterbottom just not Mrs. Winterbottom uh probably just like was seeing your moment. Yeah <laughs> so Mrs. Winterbottom she goes missing right? Right. So what what did well, you think about Mrs. Winterbottom's disappearance?
1: She didn't go missing. She, like, left a note and left dinners in the freezer and made it abundantly clear that she was coming back. Phoebe thought she had gone missing. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. Which um, I did think it was funny that Mr. Winterbottom was like, Phoebe, seriously, do you think a, a keeper or a murderer would let her prepare all these meals before yeah. taking her hostage? <laughs>
1: yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> Mrs. Winnebottom just needs five more minutes to make a couple more casseroles.
0: Right, right. (laughs) What was that casserole that she made? It was like broccoli and pea or lentil casserole. That sounds gross.
1: Yeah, something like that. We never ate a lot of casseroles like that growing up, so.
0: Yeah. So when we were talking about Mrs. Cadaver looking like Andy McDowell in my head, have you ever seen Marvelous Mrs. Maisel?
1: Of course.
0: So... The main character, Mrs. Mazel, is what I was reminded of when I was thinking of Mrs. Winterbottom, like not as eccentric, like the, the clothing style of Mrs. Mazel, where it's very covered and like the short, yeah. flippy hair of the, what is that, like the 50s or something, and like kind of bland housewife. Like that's what I was picturing as Mrs. Winterbottom. Just like, incredibly boring life um, when she initially went missing, according to Phoebe, or left. My first reaction was like, man, just up and left and decided to start a new life because she was so bored of her actual life and feeling underappreciated by her children and husband. Mm -hmm. Later to find out that is not what happened. But initially, that's what I thought.
1: I think it's pretty easy to see that, too, because I can't ever imagine having this this kind of life and not kind of wishing at some points to run away to Mexico. Yeah, Um yeah her small life as she calls it mm-hmm. yeah and being so misunderstood like when phoebe again with phoebe when uh sass about helping uh mrs winterbottom put the groceries away and phoebe says that she actually likes to do that herself like who phoebe get yeah. this out of your head
0: <laughs> i thought that was so funny too and in, in my notes i had to say to remind you that uh, adam and i kind of had that same thing too for those of you who don't know adam is my husband Uh, Adam's on to me for washing the dishes incorrectly. (laughs) So (laughs) he says I use too much water. Hey, that's what my mom says. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. You can just wash the dishes then, since you like to do it so much, or since you (laughs) are not satisfied with how I wash the dishes. (laughs) So now it's like to do that because I apparently do it wrong. So that just means Adam likes to do it. So that kind of reminded me of that when when Phoebe says, like, oh, no, she likes washing the dishes or she likes putting the groceries away. Yeah, <laughs> like, so that or do you really just not want to help Phoebe? <laughs> yeah.
1: But it wasn't insane that Mrs. Winterbottom went um went missing, ran away to go just visit her legitimate, I guess, child, a kid that she gave up for adoption.
0: Yeah, what did we ever know if she was staying with him like in the dorms or just nearby?
1: I don't think we ever found that out, but my okay. assumption is that she's just staying nearby.
0: Yeah, me too. What did you think at first when Phoebe and Sal see Mrs. Winterbottom on the park bench with the lunatic? <laughs> lunatic. <laughs>
1: I thought that he, like, must be related to her somehow. I watch a lot of... I think I watch too much, like, true crime and those types of stories to have any other assumption than long-lost child. So that was my first assumption. But I also assumed that she was leaving to go stay with them and kind of abandon Phoebe, so...
0: I kind of thought, like, initial reaction that she was running away with him. Like, she found a new love interest. and, And even though they were, like, so many years apart... Yeah he was so much younger. Yeah but then to find out that was not the case once once got the phone call from Mrs. Winterbottom that she was coming back and bringing he with her Mm -hmm. then I kind of figured it out like oh it must be some kind of relative but I, I don't know that I realized it was her son at first until she started putting together references to the notes that Mrs. Partridge had been leaving too yeah, well
1: and her father panicking whenever he hears that she's bringing back a he oh yeah he was so concerned he seems like the type though to make an actual change at home when miss winterbottom mrs winterbottom comes home and says that she's unhappy it feels like mr winterbottom is probably gonna make some changes now
0: right yeah
1: he seems like a nice guy
0: <laughs> and a uh, quote from this book that i really liked was about the birds of sadness that says mm-hmm. you can't keep the birds of sadness from flying over your head but you can keep them from nesting in your hair so that quote comes up a couple of different times uh, it, i really liked it as just something to remember that uh, there's things that can happen in your life that are sad or bad or traumatic or whatever it may be but how you react and adapt to those instances determines your overall happiness and quality of life so like for example you know Mrs. Cadaver could have dwelled on the fact that her husband died and her mother's sight was gone due to their accident and was in this terrible bus crash and she was the only one who survived and and all of those horrible things but instead it seems like she's using to see the good in everything and you know letting those instances define her life and and take a toll on her uh, and that mm-hmm. she's still able to live a good life even though bad things have happened to her and so then I think Sal too then takes that towards the end of the book as something similar to like you know you lost my mother and my you know father maybe is not um, a good relationship as when they may have had when they were younger and when she was in Bybanks and they've lost Graham at the end and mm-hmm. stuff like that but she's still able to see the good in things and she writes to phoebe and ben in the end and she writes to the boy that helped them when graham got bit by a snake and that kind of stuff so it all kind of comes round in the end it does but i did like that quote i thought it was a good way of looking at things
1: Mm -hmm. we haven't really talked about sal at all but sal is in fact the main character of this book
0: yeah, I guess since she's the narrator and talking about other things, like, yeah, she's the main character, but really her stories are about other people and just of a her billion. perspective. Mm-hmm. But I did really like her, her connection with Ben, which mm-hmm. is Mary Lou's cousin. It seems like, at least from who they go to school with, Ben is the one who kind of connects with her the most or understands her the most. And it may be because his mother is also absent in his life for -hmm. the most part. I mean, I know he goes to to visit her at one point in the mental hospital, but Mm -hmm. she's not able to be there for him and neither is Salamanca's mother. So I think Mm -hmm. they kind of connect on that. But I thought it was interesting that he was trying to get her to flinch several times.
1: To flinch?
0: Yeah, like he or when they were walking home, and she oh,
1: that's right.
0: And I was, I thought that was funny that, like, he was trying to figure her out, like, why does she mm-hmm. do this, and and try to see if he could help her, like, break that habit by becoming her friend and and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I yeah, I liked I liked, I liked yeah. their ship throughout the book. It was cute. It is,
1: and they even like come visit her at the end with with Missus Partridge and um
0: her uh, pet chicken. Yeah, favorite pit chicken. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that at the end it seems like the whole reason that uh, Sal has decided to finally listen to Mrs. Cadaver was as a result of the journal reading.
1: Yeah.
0: So of all, Berkway is a dumbo for reading the journals in class because that is just a dumb idea. I don't know why a teacher would think let's do this and nobody will know who this came from yeah there's absolutely (laughs) no way
1: that that would protect the anonymity just like putting a single piece of paper on the outside and like the names that's it really
0: yeah and especially like it's like this is not a huge town so no i assume they probably had about as many kids in their class as we did growing up which at sumner was like 20 kids maybe
1: so there's not
0: that many people you can kind of narrow it down and figure out who said what about who and when you read like the inflammatory passages that he did
1: about why they're it's like i think at one point he read a a story from one of the girls about why they didn't like one of the other girls so much one time like of course the person who that's about is going to get upset and immediately accuse them in class right like he was dumb he was very dumb (laughs) for that
0: 13
1: (laughs) yeah I don't know what he was expecting out of that.
0: But yeah, I think once it was exposed that Phoebe was talking about his sister, Mrs. Cadaver, he finally realized that, you know, younger people in town think she might be this like scary witch lady who murdered her husband and all that. But really, those kids are too young to remember the accident that happened with her husband. Yeah. And reading those journals... And the visit that Mr. Berkway has with Mr. Winterbottom and, and Phoebe and Sal. Mm-hmm. Sal then starts to realize like, okay, she's been painted in a bad light. Maybe that's not who she is. And then finally gives her a chance to explain relationship or connection to her father, which is not at all what she thought it was initially. And then no. it's just like in the end, she's grateful to have talked to Mrs. Cadaver to to get some of the last moments of, what her mom's life was right
1: and yeah and then they have an actual close relationship and she accepts her presence in her dad's life and Mm -hmm. I yeah that was all very nice
0: yeah we made some notes about some of the heavier topics that were in the book were a little dark Mm -hmm. and touch on those for yeah maybe Yeah, so I don't think that I realized
1: in the first time I read this that Sal's mom had had such a traumatic marriage with her second kid. Like I didn't realize that what it meant to lose your child and I think she had a hysterectomy too and how heartbreaking that would be for her mom. And so like I finally gained a new perspective on um, her mom left in the first place and how hard it must have been for um, her to even be in the same place where she had lost her kid, even though she still has her husband and her other daughter, you know?
0: Yeah, it probably also offers a little bit different perspective rereading it now than when you did initially when we met back in third grade or so. Yeah. Because when you're that young, you don't really understand the concept of miscarriage and the the trauma that can come with that. Yeah. Like, as someone who was pregnant last year, all I heard over and over and over from my doctors was, don't lift more than 25 pounds. Uh, Is it anything more than that, putting that weight on your on your back and on your stomach and on your shoulders, whatever, can cause early labor by I guess that weight somehow triggers your body to go into early labor. And if you're not ready to go into labor yet, that that can be something that results in something like a miscarriage. But i'm sure she was probably like what choice do i have my daughter's got a broken leg right here i've got to help her get back home so we can take her to the hospital so she probably didn't think twice about it right i'm sure sal probably felt like it was her fault that a little bit yeah Came because she had to be carried right probably regretted climbing that tree later i bet
1: i bet she does Yeah, And I'm sure that, like, over time, she's going to realize that it wasn't really her fault, but still.
0: Yeah, that's, I'm sure that's probably a traumatic thing that carried through with her for several years later.
1: For sure. And then the other heavy thing that we talked about was Sal doodling Mrs. Cadaver with a noose around her neck and then hanging her. And that was very dark for a 13-year-old girl.
0: Yeah, I thought so, too. It mentioned that a couple of times, and I wondered, like... What triggered in her mind for her to even doodle that in the first place?
1: I don't know.
0: And then I'm sure Phoebe probably wasn't helping, like, telling Sal, you know, oh, she's probably a murderer or, you know, yeah. all the other things that are, you know, muck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. Like, kind of uh, intrusive thoughts that, you know, maybe came out of nowhere. The, a
1: 13- Yeah, so yeah, this book has a lot some heavier stuff in it than that I definitely did not pick up the first the first time I read this so
0: mm-hmm. one other thing that I liked in this book was um, Phoebe was so wrapped up in her own world that she really is not able to connect with Sal deeply enough to understand why she is the way that she is seems mm-hmm. like Sal is a lot more connected to you know her and yeah the bigger picture type thing whereas Phoebe is so concerned about where's my mom or whatever her, you know, I've got to write this book report or whatever that's right in front of her at the moment that she can't, she can't see anything in an open concept or big picture way. Mm -hmm. So one of those uh, notes from Mrs. Partridge was in the course of a lifetime, what does it matter? And versus in the end of the book, it says in the course of a lifetime, there were some things that mattered. Mm -hmm. And I think that was also good to have, in perspective you know don't sweat the small stuff phoebe like your book report really doesn't matter in the long run and Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing so i I liked that note from mrs partridge i think the best
1: yeah that was a good one and i also like that sal's view changed and like saw that there were some some bigger things that really did matter um towards the end like her father's (laughs) happiness but um that was a really that was a very poignant quote
0: yeah i liked that one I think we just about hit everything on our, uh, that we made.
1: Yeah. Do we want to rate the book
0: maybe? Oh.
1: Should we do it out of five?
0: Out of five chickabitties?
1: Out of five chickabitties, how many chickabitties <laughs> would you give this book?
0: I would say, I would probably give this one a 4.2, 4.2 chickabitties. <laughs> Out of five chickabitties, because the only thing that I wish we had more of was in the end, I guess I wish that they had gone back to Euclid, even though I know the whole time Salamanca wanted to go back to Bybanks, but it really didn't give much information about their life in Bybanks other than what was on their farm, which Mm -hmm. I guess for her, since she's so connected to nature, maybe she doesn't need friends or family or Whatever yeah. else may have been in Buy Banks, but I kinda wish there had been a little bit more about the Buy Banks part.
1: All right. That's respectable. I'd give it, yeah, I'd rate it highly too, maybe like a 4.5 out of five. Four point five chickabitties? Yeah, four point five chickabitties. <laughs> I, I think I had a greater appreciation for um, a lot of the relationships now than I did when I was younger and, and the heavier topics again. So yeah. I, I really loved it. Ten out of ten. Well, I guess four point five out of five, but
0: okay (laughs) yeah so yeah I think that was a good overview and review of the book I'm glad to hear your thoughts on what you thought about it and what Mm -hmm. parts stuck out to you
1: really glad that it held up over all these years
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) did you have the copy like on your bookshelf
1: is a copy um in my mom's house but I don't Mm -hmm. have one here no Not in Alabama. I wondered
0: wondered if that would have been one that you took with you. Because I remember you had the copy of it. But I didn't know if you would have brought it with you.
1: No, I did not. But also, I'm pretty sure that the copy that we have, I think that I lost the first one. And then I stole one from Sumner Academy. And then that's the (laughs) one we took. (laughs) Thief. I'm a thief multiple times. Thievery. (laughs) It's okay. It's fine. Everything's fine.
0: I mean, I guess if the worst thing you stole was a library book. things
1: there are Um, so do you wanna (laughs) you have picked our next book is that right
0: yeah so I'm glad that we both enjoyed that book hopefully the next one will be a good one too so I've been this book is going to be star girl by Jerry Spinelli and that's a book that I remember buying it from the book fair at Sumner Academy a long time ago probably in like the sixth or seventh grade But I really don't remember anything about it other than what the cover looked like. And so when I was looking through lists today of highly reviewed and rated books, I came across the cover of that one and I was struck like, oh, yeah, I remember that book, but I don't remember anything about that book. But so I figured that would be a good one to go with next. And very long. It's it's probably just under 200 pages. Um, I know an audio version online. Um, local library to see if you can get it there.
1: Yeah, support it your should, local library.
0: Yeah, it should be a fairly easy read. Um, I, I'm looking forward to reading that one next. Me too. And yeah, so we hope that everybody will find that one and we'll give you a few weeks to, to read it. That way if you want to know ahead of time everything that we're talking about, you've got some time. And... Yeah. So yeah. Would
1: love to hear any feedback you guys have. And in particular, if you have any recommendations for any books or TV shows or movies or recipes that we should check out, um please DM us on Instagram. We can be found at Mary Ann and Wanda Podcast. Um that's Ann with an E. Um, to to see you guys in the future. Yeah, and we're thinking for- that,
0: we're thinking that next week we may do either each pick a recipe to share or maybe a movie Um, we're not sure exactly yet but we'll see how the editing portion of this goes but yeah we're we're planning on doing a book review once a month Um, to everybody time to check out the next book and have time to read it Um, once a week for me was not going to be feasible just we've got too much stuff going on so during the off weeks we're gonna we're gonna pick some other things to talk about that'll be fun and so I'm not sure exactly what next week's topic is going to be yet, but it'll be something fun and, and we'll, we'll see yeah, we'll you guys. Post soon.
1: about it. So keep your eyes yeah. open.
0: Yeah. And please leave us some feedback on the post about this episode. So we can kind of hear what your reactions are as far as, you know, cast or uh, the book in general, or if you have suggestions of how we can, make the podcast better we're still just figuring this out so if you have any suggestions please feel free to let us know yep and thank you for listening yeah thanks we will see